turn with us please to 1 Samuel the second chapter. Glad to be in church on Sunday morning? Oh yeah. Good to be saved. Think about the alternative. Thank you Lord. We've been on a series for some weeks entitled Honor to Whom Honor. And um, I believe we're nearing, if not at, the end of this series for now. Certainly not at the end of honoring the Lord. It should be at the beginning of coming up to a whole other place. And if you haven't been with us, let me encourage you, uh, go online, download the previous messages. Uh, you can go back to the Word Supply and get CDs, DVDs, won't cost you anything. But immerse yourself in this. This is so important. It is, uh, if you'll remember, if you were with us, in the beginning of the series, we talked about promotion. That this was about, among other things, promotion. And uh, God's plan for us is very great, very good. He said, I know the thoughts, I've thought about you, good thoughts. Give you an expected end. Give you a successful, prosperous outcome. But uh, in order for the Lord to promote us, we have to pass tests. It wouldn't be just and fair for him to do great things for us that he didn't do for everybody. And yet we weren't any more obedient or believing or respectful than anybody else. That wouldn't be fair. So you've got to pass tests. And In dealing with the test, his intention is that he graces you and helps you and you pass it and now you're approved. He has a right to promote you and bring you into more and greater than you have before. And can you sense in your hearts and uh, can you just sense that we're coming to another place, that uh, it's time to come up and our greatest days are before us? In front of us? Well, it's not just all up to God. We must heed the things that he has said to us. I know in recent times, the Lord's helped me to see, given me glimpses, that the things that he's given us, the series like this and the ones that have gone before it, they should be taken seriously. They're not just academic for us to get knowledge and to learn. He's speaking to us vital things just what we need right now and it's preparing us and actually enabling us to uh, receive and to have the faith to step out and do what's coming someone was interviewing me a while back about uh, the ministry and and what the Lord had done for us and and I started crying in the interview just because of the goodness of God just remembering what he's done for you, where he brought you from, and what all he's done. I mean, uh, looking back over the whole thing like we were doing, it just moved me. I, I had to, I said, excuse me just a moment. <laughs> and just thankful. Just so thankful. And I know when Phyllis and I made the step to go to uh, Raymond Bible Training Center, Thank God for that school and for the Hagans and what they, their obedience to God. If they hadn't obeyed God, that wouldn't have been there, wouldn't be there to this day. And, and uh, 
But a couple of years before we went, the Lord got word to us. He got uh, the word of faith and the word about redemption and, and the word about how to live by faith and the will of God and the goodness of God to us. And we begin to listen to it night and day. And we didn't know at that time, but what he was doing was getting faith into us and getting strength and grace into us that would enable us to have the faith to step out and obey what he was about to tell us to do. Come on, can you see this, friends? If we hadn't gotten the word, our faith wouldn't have been there. It would have just seemed overwhelming to us. We wouldn't have even considered it. But see, the Lord has been doing this with those of you that this is your church and you're part of this church. He's been putting into you, putting into us for eight years now. And every one of these series are significant. And it wasn't just academic to gain knowledge. It's putting a supply of the Spirit. It's putting faith and grace and substance into us. And it's all bringing us to where we are now and what's about to happen and what's coming. And we can already see expansion. You know, we sowed seed a couple of years back, big seed, for global expansion. And we've seen a little bit of it. Isn't it wonderful to hear about people getting saved in Morocco? Isn't isn't it wonderful? I mean, it's just wonderful. Does it get any better than somebody that was deceived and now loving Jesus? Mm, mm, mm. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Well, how many believe God could take this to a whole nother level? I mean... Where there's a few getting it here and there, it could be hundreds instead of two or three. And then it could be thousands instead of hundreds. And it could be hundreds of thousands instead of thousands. Can God do this? We're not the body of Christ. We're just a part of the body. But if all of us did our part, the whole world would be reached thoroughly. So we must do our part because the time is short. And it has to do, if we're going to be used in greater ways and have greater opportunity, greater responsibility, that would be the Lord honoring us, wouldn't it? Honoring us with these greater opportunities. And that would be in response to what? According to our verse here that we've talked about so many times. We honored him. Read it if you would. First Samuel, the second chapter. I believe it's the 29th verse where that the Lord, you know, he had warned Eli and his sons about their disrespect and about their mishandling of his offerings and his services and his things. They just were being very disrespectful and he, they did not change it. And now judgment is coming. He said in verse 29, he said, you have honored your sons above me. You've honored your sons above me. Verse 30 He said, the Lord God of Israel said, I said indeed, talking to Eli, that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, be it far from me. Now get this. He said to Eli, you, your father's house, you, your sons, their sons after them forever. I had said You would walk before me. That is, you would be in the ministry 
in the priesthood before me in the service of my house. He said, I had said that. I gave it to you. And it was supposed to go to your sons. It's supposed to go to their sons after them perpetually. He said, but now I'm saying, no, it's not going to be that way. Because them that honor me, I will honor. He's not going to honor those that despise him. He's not going to leave his precious important things in the hands of those who don't care. And who treat them contemptuously. Read it out loud with me. He went on to say, for them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Them that honor me. Who's he going to honor? Not those who despise his things. Now, when we hear the word despise in modern usage, we think of somebody that detests something or maybe even is disgusted with something. And it includes that idea, but a whole lot more. If you read other scriptures, you can see that despising something could be as simple as ignoring it. Ignoring it. Because the word honor basically means to value. To value something. To treat it as important. To notice the rest of the phrase here. Them that honor me, I will honor. What's the rest of the phrase say? Those that despise me. They shall be lightly esteemed. Now esteem is, is a comparable word to honor. We use the word today, what is your estimation of this? Well, what do you mean est- estimation, esteem? What do you mean? What's your value of it? Is it expensive? Is it cheap? Is it worth a lot? Is it worth nothing? That's what this is talking about. When you honor something... You value it greatly. It's important to you. And who did the Lord say he was going to honor? Those who value him greatly. Those who esteem his things. Can you grow in this? Can I grow in this? Can we see and view and speak of and treat his things as more important as what we have? Yes, we can. To despise is to cause one to be disqualified. It happened to them. The Lord gave them something very precious. But they despised it and they lost it. Didn't they? Think about how this affected their descendants. Their future. You know, when people despise and don't have time for the things of God. And they put other things as more important. They don't realize how that's affecting their grandkids. But by the same token, when God's things are very top-notch to you in their first place and, and their priority to you, you're setting up your kids and grandkids for blessings. Because the Lord honors those that honor Him. And one way He honors you is by doing things for your kids. Did you know that? Now, a grave mistake that Eli made was putting his kids first. Did you see this? What did verse 29 say? He said, you have honored your sons above me. It's even taught in churches that your family comes first. Did you hear me, friends? It's taught in churches. 
Well, my kids come first. I live for my kids. You ever heard that? Then you don't live for God. You can't, there's not two number one spots. <laughs> if your kids are number one, God's not. He's number two, three, somewhere down the line, but there's not but one space at the top. And folks don't realize if you live for your kids and your life revolves around your kids and they are first place in your thought and mind continuously, you're being a poor parent and you're hurting them tremendously. What do you mean, Brother Keith? Well, what are you teaching them? If you put them first, you cater to their whims you, everything revolves around them. You are teaching them not to put God first. You're teaching them to put their self first. Did you hear me, friends? This is happening not just with unbelievers, but with believers' kids. They, I mean, they, they cater to the child's every whim and everything. They, you know, live for the child. And so the child thinks the world revolves around them. And thinks it's totally okay to be self-centered and self-focused all the time. And then they get, they, they have to go to school. And a lot of times they, they, you know, folks won't let them go to school. They, they keep them at home so they can focus on them continuously. Did you hear me? But eventually if they do get out and it's a shock to them that the world doesn't revolve around me. Oh, this is going over big. <laughs> and, and, and they, you know, they, they're used to everybody catering to them. And it doesn't work at the workplace. And it doesn't work in these programs and that programs. And so they get their feelings hurt and they get miffed and they get upset and they get depressed. Because when you think about yourself all the time, it is depressing. <laughs> Did you know this or not? It is. If all you think about is what, how you feel and what you want and what you need and what you don't have and what you can't do and what they wouldn't do for you and what they wouldn't give you and what you couldn't give, that is miserable. Miserable. And absolutely unchristian. Ungodly. And yet you got Christian parents training their kids to be this way. No, friend, the greatest thing you ever did for your kids and for your whole family is put God first. And demonstrate, show them how to do it by putting Him above them. Well, Mama, I want to do this. No, it's time to do this. Yeah, but I want to do that. No, it's time to go to church. It's time to, time to do this. time to do your chores. time to do that. Time to, yeah, but I won't. And I want to do this. You need to tell them what my mom used to tell me. Well, son, you're old enough now to know your wants don't hurt you. Get to it. <laughs> I won't. We live in a generation of whiny babies. <laughs> but you don't have to be that way. You can be a light in the darkness. Your children, I mean the little ones, can be lights. It's already happening in our church. They can be lights to where that the teachers and other people go, wow, that is the most respectful young man 
Young woman, the most giving, the most courteous. Why? Because they don't go around with their self on the mind all the time. They're actually acting like little Christians. Imagine that. (laughs) And you teach them to put God first by demonstrating it. In living it in front, not putting them first, putting God first. And so they learn how to do it. And that's what the Bible said. So then they will honor God and they will honor their mother and father. And the Bible said it will go well with them. It'll go well with them in the earth, down here now. And they'll live long. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Why? Because God would be honoring them. Why would he be honoring them? Not because they're honoring themselves. Because they're honoring God. He's honoring them. Can you say amen? Can you see it, friends? So, so important. Thank you, Master. Go with me, if you would, to Luke, the, the 19th chapter. The Lord honors those who honor Him. Now, the word honor, as we said, means to value, to esteem, to prize. And those who prize the things of God are the ones who qualify to receive them. I mean, it's just reasonable that God's not going to give his precious things to people who don't even care or who don't have time for it. Who's he going to give more to? To those who esteem it, to those who value it. Notice in... uh, Luke, the 19th chapter, this is the story of the talents, what the master distributed to his servants for them to trade with and to increase. And in Luke 19, 24, well, verse 23, the one who just took the one and hid it, now you know why he just gave him one. He wasn't going to do anything with it anyway. Now, By him taking it and sticking it away shows you what he thought of it, doesn't it? To just stick it away and hide it, stick it on the shelf, stick it in a drawer, shows he did not value it, he did not esteem it. Now the other guys, they had to have a different idea. They got it and they go, wow, this is a great opportunity. I've got to do something with this. And so it was on their mind, it was in their heart, they were praying, they were looking, they got up in the morning, they were on the phone, they were on the internet, they were talking to people. Is that right? They made calls and they visited, and then why? Because I got something here. I got something, it's valuable, it's precious, it's an opportunity, it's a responsibility, it's important. And so the Lord blessed them and helped them, and theirs increased. Didn't it? And multiplied. And what did this guy do? What did he do? Stuck it and covered it up. That's despising it. Can you see that? That's despising it. And the Bible said, the Lord said to him, why didn't you give my money to the bank? That at my coming I might have required mine own with usury or interest, at least I, I could have got a little bit of interest off of it. You just stuck it in there. What did he do with it? Absolutely nothing. So is he going to get more? 
Did the Lord honor him by giving him one? Yeah. Yeah. And so what did he do? He didn't honor. He despised it. He treated it like it was nothing. Not worthy of his time or effort. Just stick it away and whatever. Hmm? And what did he say? He said to them that stood by, take from him the pound. Now, this is the sobering thing that we need to get a hold of, guys. Take it from him. Isn't that what happened to he, Eli and his boys? Their ministry was taken from them. Their, great, their opportunity was taken from them. Remember Esau? Did he lose what God gave him? He had the right of the firstborn. He had the right to the blessing of the firstborn. And he was out there one day and got hungry. And his brother said, well, trade it to me for this food. He said, well, what, this thing ain't going to do me any good. Sure, deal. And lost it. Did he lose it? Did he lose it? When you despise something, you fail to value it. You fail to appreciate it. You're disqualifying yourself from having it. And whatever you despise, you can't hold on to. You can't keep. Now this is not just academic, friends. Things are happening. Things are moving. There's, we're in a time of transition. Changes are going on. Some will be promoted. Some are going to come into more grace and glory than they've ever experienced. And it's sad, but some will be left behind. Some will lose their place. I hope not in this church. But it's not up to me. If people don't have time for the things of God or if they begrudge it. Well, we got to go to church. No, you get to go to church. (laughs) What do you have more important? See? Well, we have to read our chapter. No. Be glad that you can open your eyes and move your lips. And you got another day to serve the Lord. And you got the freedom to stand up and read your Bible right out loud. Feed your spirit. Honor God in front of your family and friends. Just, you don't got to. You get to. Get to. Get to. If you don't see it as a privilege, you start treating it as drudgery. Did you hear me? Well, we got to go serve on the team. No, no. There could be a thousand other people in your place serving on that team. Hmm? We'll let them. That's how you lose out. Can you see this? Because who's God going to give his precious things to? Those that value them. Those that esteem. Uh one reason I'm, I'm spending extra time on this again today is this is one of the main things of the whole series. It's, it's something that the further I go, the more I see it happening all around me. We live in a world full of disrespect. We live in a world full of whatever and no big deal. And if you let that affect your mind and sway you, And a world full of negative talkers. There are people, and sadly, church-going folks. If you listen to them, they will tell you, 
uh, how abused you are and how nobody appreciates you and, and, and how, you know, uh, hard you have to work and how it ain't right and how this and how the other. This is the devil talking to you. Did you hear me, friends? Because if it sways your thinking and into you thinking, well, you know, they, are, they don't appreciate me. They don't value me. No, you don't value them. You're not valuing your opportunity. And if you don't, you're in danger of losing it. You're in danger of losing it. You nor I are irreplaceable in doing these jobs. Now the will of God and the plan of God will be done. It will be done. Now whether you or I are part of it is another thing. That's up to us. From the time that I realized the Lord had a call on our lives. I refuse to entertain any other idea except that I am one of the most blessed men on the planet. That I get to do what I do. Oh, Brother Keith, isn't it so hard? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Oh, Brother Keith, you got all that responsibility. You got all this. You got all that. I don't know what you're talking about. I am one of the most blessed men you ever laid eyes on. I am privileged to handle the holy word of the living God. I get to experience his hand on my life. His anointing on my mind and my mouth. I get to to fellowship with his people all over the country and other places. I get to be a part. I get to be on the cutting edge of what he's doing in the earth. There are millions of other poor country boys he could have got to do what I'm doing. And he let me do it. So you're not going to hear anything out of me except, thank you, Jesus. I am privileged. I'm honored. It's not just talk. I'm honored to stand before you today. I'm honored to lead this work. I'm honored. Should you feel that way about what you get to do? Should you? I felt the same way. When I was sweeping floors and passing out registration forms. I felt the same way. And I believe that's one of the reasons why the Lord kept giving me more. Kept giving me more. Because I appreciate it. I esteem it. And if I ever get to the place where it's ho-hum, humdrum, big deal to me, then I cease to be qualified for more. Can you see this, friends? We're honored to live in this generation. Be born where we were born. Have the freedoms we have. Have the prosperity we have. Maybe you're not where you'd like to be, but you're not where a lot of people are. You're not, you know, working 12 hours just to see if you can put together a few things to to satisfy your hunger to keep from starving today, are you? I mean, you are you thankful? Now, what's the key to getting to a better place? I tell you this, it's not griping about where you are. Can you see where millions are missing it? If you're griping about where you are, it means you're unthankful for what you have, which means you don't qualify for any more. 
Oh, but he that is faithful in that which is little and least, he'd be faithful in more. And when the Lord gives one of his children something, a word from him, a touch of his anointing, an opportunity, no matter how small it may seem, and they look up and go, Ooh, glory, thank you, thank you. Oh, this might not be, people might not think it's the most profound revelation anybody ever got, but he gave it to me. He gave it to me, and he didn't have to give me this, and you're thankful, and you do everything you know how to do with it. It makes him smile. I said, it it pleases your father, and he says, okay, I can give them more, and he'll give you more, And and as long as you keep honoring him. Keep valuing it. He keeps giving you more and more. And I'm telling you, you can wind up in places you never thought you'd wind up in. Doing things you never thought he'd use you to do. And it's not because you're prettier or smarter than the next person. It's because you did value it more than them. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. He said, take it from him. Give it to the one that has ten. They said, Lord, he's already got ten. That, that doesn't seem fair to some people, but it is fair. I said it is fair. Keep reading. Luke 19, 24. What did he say? Take from him the pound and give it to him that has 10 pounds. Verse 25. They said, Lord. The crowd spoke right out loud. They said, Lord, he's already got 10 and this guy only had one. Are you going to take his one away from him and give it? Now this guy's got 11 and this guy's got none. That's just not fair. And what we need is a committee. <laughs> it's not fair when some people in the world's got none and other guys got 11. Now everybody knows that just ain't right. And the Christian thing to do would be to take some of the, away from the guy that's got leaven and distribute it to the guys that's got none. Ah, <laughs> uh-uh. the Christian thing to do is to take it away from the guy that only had one and give it to the guy that already had ten. That's the Christian thing to do. <laughs> Am I reading the New Testament or not? What's more Christian? Somebody's goofy idea they came up with or the New Testament. I'm going to go with this. We've already talked about it long enough. Do you know why you would take it away from the guy that only had one? Why? He doesn't value it. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Don't give precious things to people who don't care. Not even going to do anything with it. They don't do anything with the opportunities they have now. I know in, uh, I had the privilege of ministering in Brother H- Kenneth Hagin's healing school for a number of years. When I first began, uh, he ministered with a strong healing anointing. And I was so green, I didn't know anything about this stuff. And here I am ministering to him. And I thought, these people don't need me practicing on them. they got serious problems. And, and yet, yet it was my, my lot. And so, man, I, I mean, day after day, my nose is in the carpet in the speaker's room praying, God, give me some anointing. Oh, God, let the anointing come. Because I knew the anointing is what would heal the people. Lord, give me the, I'm praying, I'm pleading. And I did this for days. And finally, one day, the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard, I heard an audible voice, but inside me, he just spoke this word to me, faithfulness. I stopped. Faithfulness. And I thought, well, yeah, Lord, that's good, but... 
Man, I need anointings. What I, if I could just have, if you just put some anointing. And I finally rambled to a close. And he said to him again, faithfulness, son, faithfulness. I thought about it and I said, yeah, I know that's good, Lord. I'm, I'm going to do a study on that. <laughs> but what I could really use right now is some anointing. I'm about to pray for these people. He said to me, get faithfulness, Keith, faithfulness. And then he said something to me. I, I wrote it down, but I didn't have to on that one. It was burning my heart. He said, son, again, I'm not talking about an audible voice, speaking inside you like he'll speak to every, everybody if you'll listen. He said, son, every one of my children receive an anointing when they're filled with the Spirit. Is that true or not? And the Bible said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He said, son, every one of my children receive an anointing when they're filled with the Spirit. He said, many of them have done nothing with that anointing. Why would they need more? Many of them have done nothing with that anointing. Well, why would they need more? They don't. They don't have anything with that. Why would you need more? And so he said to me, faithfulness, Keith. Be faithful with what you have. And I'll add to you. I'll increase you. So I saw what to do. He ministered to me. And so instead of begging for more, I saw I need to do what I can with what I got. Quit begging for more. Do what I can with what I got. Because that's the key to getting more. And so I'd, instead of begging and praying for anointing, I sit there and begin to say, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord's on And I said it for like 30 minutes. And I didn't sense a whole lot of anointing, but it's a, and no need me comparing myself with somebody else. That's what He gave them. This is what He gave me. And nobody started out at the, high, at the top place. Everybody starts out with a smaller measure. And if you're faithful, and over the next uh, several months, and actually the next several years, I kept doing that. And so I'd go out, and I'd say, the Spirit of the Lord's on me. I'm going to minister to you. The anointing's here. And I didn't sense a whole lot, but I knew he was there. Just do it in all the faith. Do everything you can, all the faith you can. And it began to increase. And it began to increase. Not a lot at first, but then more. And then, and then the Lord ministered to me special through some ways I won't go into, but then stronger and stronger and stronger until I wasn't begging for more anointing. Sometimes anointing so strong could hardly stand up. How does increase come? Help me out. This is with your money. This is with your giving. Lord, I need more money. No, you need to do something with what you got. Well, if I had some, I'd do something. It, according to Jesus, you'd do exactly with a million dollars, what you're doing, what you got right now. That's right. So if you're not handling it, handling it properly, if you're not honoring the Lord with it properly, you wouldn't do it with that. Well, yeah, if I had a lot, I'd do something with it. No, according to Jesus, you wouldn't. That's right. What's the key to getting more? Not begging, not pleading, not needing, doing what? Value what you got. The first time I preached to a crowd of any size. Oh, I felt so inadequate. Oh, man, I thought. In fact, I was going to call them back and say, you know, we made a mistake. <laughs> you don't need me speaking. I just, I'm too green. I don't, because it was a, a significant thing. And and the Lord checked me, you better talk to me first before you do that. And, and so <laughs> I got in the closet and I began to pray. And I thought, Lord, I, how can I do this? I, 
these people have been hearing. I mean, the speakers before were internationally known speakers at this place. And I mean, I hadn't been in the ministry a couple of months. And and what am I going to do? And 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 everything I I know, I think I can say in five minutes. And and then I say it again. Then what am I going to do? Lord, me and you both will be embarrassed, huh? <laughs> so I went on and on. I literally got in the little closet, little bitty closet. And in the floor, I'm praying to God. And finally, I mean, I don't know how long I was in there, but I ran out of gas, didn't know what else to say, and just lay in there. And uh, the Lord spoke to my heart. Again, not audible voice. He said, son, he said, do you remember the little boy's lunch? A few loaves and, and fish. I thought, yeah, yeah. He said, wasn't much. I said, no. He said, what you need to remember is I can take a little and do a lot with it. <laughs> ah, getting to stir me up. <laughs> he knows how I was thinking. He says, you feel like you've got a sardine and two crackers. <laughs> and I did. He said, son, don't compare. Hold that up. And give me thanks for it. Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus held up that little handful of food. Come on, are y'all listening? In front of those thousands of people, he had little boy's lunch. He held up that little handful of food and thanked God. Was he thanking God? Thanking the Father for their provision for the day. This little... That's faith. He said, you hold it up. And you thank me for it. And you believe me to multiply it. To meet the needs. I did. I held up my little sardine. My little cracker. (laughs) And I I said Lord we thank thee. For this bountiful provision. That's faith brother. It's faith when you're looking at a sardine and a cracker. (laughs) And I started out. And I began to share, and he, he would add, he'd bring a scripture to me that I hadn't thought of. He'd give me an illustration. He'd bring the next thing I know, I'd gone an hour. And everybody was sitting there acting like they were full. And God, I thought, this is, this is a bigger miracle than anybody in here knows about. This is a miracle. Brother, they just don't know what a miracle this is. <laughs> and that's what I've been doing ever since. <laughs> ever since. Somebody say glory to God. God. Say it again, glory to God. God. Look in Luke the 8th chapter, please. Who does God give his precious things to? Those that honor him and them, those that value, prize, esteem them. In Luke the 8th chapter, notice the... uh, The 15th verse, the word was sown into different types of ground, different types of people. Only one type of ground produced anything. The other three types of ground, three quarters of the types of ground produced nothing. Nothing. Even though the word was sown into their lives. Think about that. But the kind that did produce, listen to them. They on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, what do they do? 
What did they do? They heard the word and what did they do? They kept it. Somebody say kept it. They keep it and they bring forth fruit with patience. First Thessalonians, what is it, fifth chapter talks about this. Prove all things and do what? Hold fast to that which is good. When you get something good, what should you, you, you are hold on to that. God gives you an opportunity, you hold on to that. Gives you a good word, you hold on to that. Why? Because the devil's a thief. He'll come and try to steal that, try to talk you out of it, try to get you to discount it and devalue it and despise it and walk away from it and quit it and unhook. And if you do, you're a fool. Because what are you trading it for? You know, anytime you're leaving something, have enough wisdom to not just get mad and stomp off and do this or that. Ask yourself one simple question. What am I leaving And what am I going to? Are y'all with me friends? What am I leaving? And what am I going to? Sometimes just pausing just a moment. And asking yourself that. Will help you to realize. The devil's trying trying to rob you. He's trying to steal you. He's trying to get you to mess up the plan of God in your life. And, And he never told you that everybody you deal with. Is going to be perfect. Or that everything would always be easy. But if you think it's tough uh, in a place where you're supposed to be, (laughs) how about operating where you ain't even got no grace to be? (laughs) You don't know what tough is. (laughs) Did you know the Lord's talking to us this morning? He's helping us. He really is. Thank you, Master. Somebody say, thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Something that I want us to touch on while we have time today. If you would, uh, you're there in Luke. Let's see. Um, Go to the 12th chapter. What did they do with the word they heard? They keep it. I believe it was the World English Bible says they hold it tightly. They hold it tightly. And those are the ones that bring forth the fruit. In Luke 12, 34, Luke 12, 34, it says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Love and honor go together. What you love and what you honor are overlapping. The word love has been so abused. And so twisted. Until even most of the church has a warped idea of it. Tell me what love is. God is. Is love. So what he is and what he does. That's what love is. But you get people that are uncomfortable. Telling Uh, their loved ones, that they love them. Telling somebody, I love you. Some folks just really get choked up and and find it hard and difficult. And Why? It's because of the perversion and twisting of the word and the concept. Because with so many people, 
they equate love with feelings. And so people are thinking, well, that's, that's saying that I, I have certain feelings, but God's not a feeling. I said, he's not a feeling. And feelings fluctuate. Have you found this out? Feelings change. I mean, hour to hour they can change. Oh, brother. And sister too. (laughs) Feelings. Feelings. Oh, 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 feelings. I knew y'all were thinking about it. I'm not going to sing it. But feelings are not love. Love can affect feelings. But feelings are not love. God is love. And he doesn't fluctuate. He doesn't change. Love doesn't change. So love can't be a feeling. Because feelings do. John 3.16. Put it up on the screen for us please. A lot of you know it. What does it say John 3.16? For God what? He did what? Didn't say he had a feeling. He so loved the world that he did what? That he he gave, not just anything, his only begotten son. Now can you see what is he saying? I loved you. What does that mean? I value you. I prize you so much that I am willing to give my only begotten son at that point. And he loved us enough to give himself for us. So then can you see love and honor overlap. To love and to honor is the same way of saying to love and to value. To honor and to value. Love and to value. So when you tell somebody I love you. What are you saying? I prize you. You're precious in my life. You're a gift of God. You're important. And that's not a strong enough word. Hmm? See if our mind is renewed to think right. And like God. Then when. How much did he love us? So much that he was willing to pay something so precious. Because we were that precious and valuable to him. In Philippians 2, would you turn over there? Philippians 2. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Loving someone, something, and treasuring them. Valuing them, honoring them is the same. Philippians 2, verse 3. It says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each do what? Esteem. Esteem. Now there's that, that's that's an honor word. Esteem has to do with your estimation of their worth and value. Esteem them what? What? This is something many have not even endeavored to practice. Not even thought that it was right to say. 
Esteem them as good as you? What? Better. Better. It doesn't mean that you consider yourself worthless or that you don't value or esteem yourself, but you practice esteeming everybody around you better, more important, more valuable. And he goes on describing how Jesus did exactly that. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. This is the key to fullness of joy. Did you know this? It is the law of the Christ, the anointed one. It is keeping the commandment, loving one another as I have loved you. Thinking about somebody else's stuff. And what they need, what's going on with them, it is the key to joy. Thinking about yourself, remember we talked about that earlier, what you need, what you want, that's the key to misery. Not on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He didn't think it was too much, him being who he was, to give himself up in place of us. As great as he is, equal with and God. And yet, He saw us, and he had to esteem us better than himself, or how could he have given himself to get us? Come on, can you see this? And in that act, did he shout throughout the universe and ages, I love you. I value you. You are very, very precious. And you are so important to me, you are so valuable to me, that I will give my spirit, my soul, my body for you, to get you, to redeem you. Hallelujah. God so loved the world that he he gave. We are the apple of his eye. We are. You know, there's huge thing going on with the green movement. And a lot of it is not new, it's ancient. It's creation worship. And I'm all for, you know, not damaging and destroying stuff that you don't have to. But uh, the truth is, the planet can't be saved. It will be consumed and destroyed with fervent heat. And the most important thing down here is not the animal life. It's not the planet. It's not the plant life. It's you. I said it's you. And me. It's us. Jesus didn't go to the cross. For animals. Including endangered species. (laughs) He didn't go to the cross for plants. Didn't go to the cross for the planet. This planet ain't going to make it. It's not going to make it. He's going to have to create new heavens and new earth. 
The whole surface is going to absolutely melt. There ain't going to be anything left. And then he's going to redo it. And there's going to be no more curse. Never be too hot. Never be too cold. It'll always be just right. Never too humid. Never too dry. No thorns to step on. Animals won't eat each other anymore. (laughs) But he didn't die for the planet. He died for you. And for me, it wasn't the planet that was precious to him. It was the people. Can you say amen? amen? And if you honor him, then you honor what's important to him. And what's important to him is the people. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Jesus took on the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory, became like other men, came down here and treated us like we were better than him in giving himself for us. And the Bible said because of that, God has highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. That at that name every knee will bow. And every tongue can Can you see? He honored him. And what happened? God has honored the master. Can you see that? He honors those that honor him. And Jesus is the ultimate example of this. Can you say glory to God? Psalm 91 in closing I think. Would you turn Psalm 91? Praise the Lord. Praise the Master. You know the Bible tells uh, husbands to honor their wives. The Bible tells wives to reverence their husbands. What does that mean? We're treating each other as important. Treating each other as valuable. And what if every little child had the privilege of growing up in a home where uh, daddy treated mama like gold and and mama treated daddy like gold and kings and queens. And, and they always treated each other with such respect and such value. And such. what would they be doing? They'd be learning about God, wouldn't they? And then they'd grow up and treat each other that way. And they'd treat their spouse that way. And they'd train their kids that way. We live in a world where the devil has cheapened everything and despised everything. And, and nothing is holy and sacred to many. But we're in the world. But we're not of the world. I said we're not of the world. We don't have to live like that. We don't have to think like that. We are lights. Shining lights. In a dark world. We're salt. In this decaying putrefying earth. We are. We are. Somebody say let your light shine through me. You know what I mean by that? Lord let your light shine through me. Let other people see your glory and your honor and And your values. Let your light shine through me. In Psalm 91. Many familiar with this psalm. Such a great. Great psalm and word. But in verse 14. After the things we've covered this morning. I think you'll get something else out of it. Verse 14 says what? Because. He has set his love. Upon me. 
Now is love and honor connected? Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high. Does that sound like God honoring you? Because he has known my name. Verse 15. He shall call upon me. And I will answer him. Answer who? Got to back up to the previous verse. The one who set his love on him. I'll answer him. I will be with him in trouble. As he spirals down the drain. And I'll say I'm here. I'm here. No. He won't just be with you. In trouble. He will be with you. And I will deliver him. And honor him. Why? Because they honored the Lord. They set their love where your treasure is, that's where your, where your heart is. And He is their treasure. And He is where their heart and their love goes and where their mind goes. And they have honored Him. And now, in their time of need and trial, they cry out, He's there. He answers. They're in trouble. They need Him. He's not just with them. He delivers them. And He didn't just deliver them and get them through it. He lifts them up to a higher place. And He honors them. And that's not the end. The next verse says, and with long life after that. I brought them through that, and I brought them through this, and I brought them through that, and I brought them all the way. And they ran their race, and they finished their course with joy, and I satisfied him. And show him my salvation. One translation says, I show him how I can save. (laughs) Who is this? This is the man. This is the woman that honored the Lord, that loved him and valued him above everything, and now the Lord has honored them. Can you say glory to God? Everybody stand, please. Stand up. Lift up your hands. Lift up your heart. Worship the Lord. Tell him he is everything to you. Tell him he is most precious. Most Lord, you are, you are, oh, you are the lily of the valley. You're the bright and morning star. You're the alpha, you're the omega, you're the beginning, you're the ending. You're the king of kings, Lord of lords. You're the lamb of God. You're everything, everything. Nothing, nobody is more important, more valuable, more precious than you. And yet you gave yourself for us. Thank you. Thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.